What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I am your host, Tyler, and today we have a special edition of the show for you as I'm very excited to welcome in Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews, which for my money, if you're asking me, is absolutely no questions asked, the single best preseason publication out there. Brett, welcome to the Glory UGA podcast. We're really glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for that praise. Thanks for having me on, and uh, and thanks for purchasing. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I hunkered down for six months from December till June writing this thing, and, and once it goes on sale mid-June, it turns into to radio and podcast season. So I'm real excited. Uh, I'm, I'm nearing 60 shows in the last three weeks and uh, loving every second of it. This is actually my first Georgia show. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to be connecting more with the, uh, you know, Bulldog Nation here and, um, and, ch- and chat with you guys here. We are certainly honored to have, have you on it and for us to be your very first Georgia podcast. So welcome to the show today. And, and before we get started today, I, I do want to give you a chance to tell our listeners where they can find you both on social media and where and how they can buy your preview book. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, so on Twitter, it's at Pick6Previews. Uh, that's all spelled out, Pick6Previews. And then on the web, it's Pick6Previews.com. And on there, I have a couple sample pages, a couple sample teams, so you can see uh, the level of detail I go into for all 66 Power 5 teams, uh, the level of stats and graphics, you know, because I like, I have my numbers, my analytics on the left, but I'd like to put it back into readable terms, you know, coaching schemes, X's and O's. We'll talk about, talk all about what goes into this book, but um, that's pick6previews.com. And, uh, and for the fan base too, type in UGA uh, at checkout for a nice discount too. So uh, it's UGA and pick6previews.com. That's awesome. There you guys go. Some discounts, no brand. You got to buy it today. Uh, and I promise you guys, we're going to talk a lot about Georgia football here in just a few minutes. But Brett, I want to open by talking about your publication in general. I'm very curious how this process works. And I have to say, I am in awe of you because you put this entire book together by yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, thanks. It's all me. It's a one-man show. So, uh, so the background on this is um, I launched Pick 6 Previews back in 2012. And over those first seven seasons, um, my Power 5 BCS predictions uh, were graded most accurate in the country. Uh, that's compared to the ones you see on newsstands, online. And that's not just me saying it. That was Stassen.com who's been grading these preseason publications for decades. So according to their formula, I was the most accurate those first seven seasons. Now, fast forward to 2019, I put together my first comprehensive preview book, uh, what, what you see now. This is a comprehensive 1,500 words per team, all 66 Power 5 programs. Um, with, you know, sets of uh, analytics and graphics. Um, and that, that was the first one, the first book last year, 2019. After that, I was uh, selected to become a Heisman voter. It really, the book, the 2019 book really made its way around the media circles and around college football Twitter uh, and got the Heisman credential, which was incredible. So here we are here, 2020, my second book. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to break it down. And, and for the listeners, what goes into it is, I estimated about a thousand hours total, might probably more of, um, a combined of film study, uh, watching spring games, um, you know, talking to you know, calls with coaches, calls with head coaches and coordinators, calls with local beat writers, listening into local radio and podcasts, just like this one. Uh, because the key of it is I really want to dig into the details, dig into the, the actual stats, um, get on the ground level, because a lot of times you hear some of these national guys keep it kind of broad, you know, talking Alabama, Clemson, the same one-liners. You know, I wanted to dig into the source. And I love covering all 66 of these, not just the powerhouses, but, you know, the, you know, the South Carolinas, the Vandys, uh, all the way down. 
And uh, I hope that pops off the page too, because that's a goal of mine. But uh, and then the last bit um, is I want to strike the balance between numbers and, and the story because you know it gets boring to read about uh, say Georgia's point one two five and X metric. Okay, what's that really mean? What's that telling us? So I have the analytics there, but I put it back into readable terms. Uh, you know, with coach strategies, X's and O's, uh, recruiting strategies, uh, program histories, the whole bit. So. I hope that pops off the page, uh, and uh, and thanks again for checking it out. Oh, absolutely. And it, it just from one guy's perspective, I will attest to that. It absolutely does jump off the page. Uh, I know you're kind of new to this podcast, but our listeners know, like, we try our best to kind of, you know, we're, we're sticklers for detail. We kinda, we try to dig into the details, go beyond the surface level. So that's kind of what I look for in, in the publications that I try to consume myself. And so when I came across yours, I was just blown away. And I, I was like, this is a match made in heaven. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So what our listeners are looking for. So we definitely had to have you on. I'm just, again, really excited to have you on today. No, I was saying that that's huge praise, huge praise. And it means a lot that you were able to pick up on that. And, um, and yeah, I'm excited, like I said, to connect with more Georgia fans. Um, you know, online, certain fan bases are vocal on Twitter. For whatever reason, it's over the last eight years, I've connected a lot with Florida fans. So I'm on the wrong side of this argument. I want to connect with more Georgia fans. So definitely reach out and follow me and, uh, and message me, you know, email me with any questions or stats you'd like to see. Uh, I'm doing this thing 365 days a year and, uh, and loving every second. So, um, yeah. Awesome. All right. So one more big picture topic I want to ask you about before we move on to the specifics of Georgia football and, and that's your game grader formula. I'm in love with this thing. So can you explain to our listeners out there what the, your game grader formula is and what the impetus behind its development was? Yeah, absolutely. So the game grader formula is, is my analytical formula. Uh, it evaluates statistical dominance of a team uh, in their games and their overall season. So that might sound like a word salad, but what it really is is, um, you know, not all seven win seasons are created equal. And you hear a team went, oh, they went seven and five. Well, what's that really mean? What's that tell us, really? So I dig into, you know, because you could have played a, an easy non-conference slate. You could have had a, a nine-game conference compared to an eight-game conference. Uh, those seven wins could have been all blowouts or all by a fluky field goal at the end. You know, turnovers might have been 5-0 one way. So there's so many variables that I felt that a win-loss record was a pretty lazy attempt to, to start to grade teams. So um, a lot goes into it. Uh, some of the big ones are scoring differential, yardage differential, uh, yards per play, these per play metrics, um, explosive long yardage plays, um, you know, stuff like that, other game efficiencies. Uh, and it's designed to get you a score. And at the last bit, it's adjusted for opponent strength too, because, you know, going, uh, again, going seven and five in the ACC coastal is a lot different than going eight, uh, seven and five in the SEC East or West. So uh, scale it up or down to opponent strength, and you, you get a game grade. So uh, for context, uh, Georgia last year, they graded out sixth in the nation for me here, uh, third in the SEC. And it's actually a good example because that kind of, uh, that kind of, that kind of fits with where Georgia landed. I know LSU was the runaway favorite there. Uh, Alabama still placed above Georgia, but barely. And then you have UGA at sixth. So, um, yeah, we'll talk more about game grader, but basically it's a way for me to get a number on teams. And, and that's one of the goals of the book, too, is I'm a numbers guy, a data guy, but also a football guy. So I want to have some numbers here to, to be able to explain things that are happening, but then put it back into readable terms. So um, it's not too overly complex, and I, I try and break it down on the page there. And, yeah, um, I think it's fantastic. And, it, it, it's striking how accurate it is. I mean, if you look at the t- – you mentioned that where Georgia, Georgia finished fourth in the AP rankings, I think, but in your game grader formula, we were sixth. So that's right about in the same spot. The top three teams in your game grader formula, if I remember correctly, was Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson, which 
by any measure, were the top three teams in the country last year. Then Bama, Oklahoma were in the top five as well. So I mean, it, it just kind of stood out to me just how strikingly accurate that was, and it, it just completely made sense to me. Yeah, no, thanks. And also, uh, last year was kind of a test year when I was applying it to, uh, you know, for anyone interested into the, into the gambling aspect of it, right? So I was throwing my game grader predictions. You know, my formula spits out a predicted line, what, what we think the Vegas line should be. Uh, and compared to what Vegas had, it was a 60% winner. So I'm not condoning gambling, but uh, that was a cool test run, and maybe we'll, we'll do something with that this fall. I mean, it, it's an interesting way to kind of – it takes some emotion out of the game, too, uh, because a lot of times when you're trying to pick games or look at seasons, uh, sometimes you just see that helmet logo, right? And you kind of yeah. make assumptions, good or bad. But this kind of takes the, the emotion out of it. Now, it's, it's worth saying that for forecasting seasons, this is just the start of the game grader because you got to look at coordinators, you got to look at recruiting, you got to look at returning production. So it is a great baseline of how the previous season went, uh, but just the starting point for looking forward. So uh, it's all about balance with that. All right. Very, very cool stuff. But all right, let's move on and let's talk about some Georgia football here. And I want to kind of start with a big picture look at things. Georgia, talking about your game grader formula, had a game grader grade of, over the past three seasons, if my calculations were correct, has a game grader grade of 80.9. So what does that tell you about where the Georgia football program is right now? Yeah, what that tells me over the last three years is it's a playoff caliber program. And uh, by by any stretch of the imagination, I mean, heck, they were literally a playoff team uh, in 2017. Uh, 18 really close again that was that SEC title game in 2018 they had a 95 percent win probability in that fourth quarter I uh, don't want to bring up bad memories but that's, that's more tough. so a compliment that's that, hey now nah, yeah so it's a compliment in a way that this this program is right there I mean they are so close to being a, an annual playoff contender uh, again last year people were going to only look at that LSU game uh, don't let don't let that be the lasting memory of 2019 Georgia because uh, I know they gave up a ton of points to LSU it was actually well below LSU's average. They held them way below LSU's average over the back half of that historic run. So you got to look at it within the context there. That was an incredible all-timer team. But heading into that last Saturday, Georgia's win, win and in again. Uh, so here we are, 2020. Um, I don't see that really drastically changing. Uh, you're talking about the number one recruiting power the last three years. Someone has finally uh, uh, unseated Alabama at the top, the way that Kirby Smart is stacking the, the number one class in the nation 2018 and this most previous one, 2020, uh, you know, and that quote-unquote down year in between was a number two class. So it's incredible recruiting talent coming in. Um, you know, the Joel Landing hire was, was clearly an ace because they were able to con- – or sorry, Dan Landing, uh, able to continue that excellent play. It was actually Smart's best defense at a 99% percentile in my metrics there. Um, yeah. So the question will be – and I know this is the question for the whole Georgia fan base is, how quickly can this offense – take shape this this offensive evolution uh bringing in Todd Monken who I think is a is, is an incredible hire um you saw that that was the key to unlocking Alabama as a program and, and the key to unlocking LSU as a program was modernizing the offense away from that smash mouth 1980s ball uh into a more modern you know vertical passing aggressive offense and um they certainly both those two had the athletes to pull it off and Georgia certainly has it too so um you know, so that's the question. Can it be done in a season, in off season, without a spring ball, without a summer camp, and what's looking like a limited fall uh, fall camp? So we'll see. But that's definitely the the key to unlocking this thing. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, definitely agree with you on that. We talked about that a lot during this off season. 
And, and when talking about Georgia's offense, you mentioned Todd Monk, which I think you have to mention him since, since he's the guy leading the ship now. I think you also have to talk about the quarterback position. Georgia fans were very excited when Jamie Newman chose to transfer from Wake Forest in January. And a lot of us were convinced he was the guy. But now a potential wrench has been thrown in those plans. Maybe. We'll see. With the transfer of JT Daniels coming over from USC and, of course, the NCAA subsequently granting his waiver for immediate eligibility. And that's setting up a very interesting quarterback battle in fall camp. So if you're looking at that situation heading into fall camp here in the next couple of weeks, how would you handicap that quarterback battle right now? Yeah, so it's very interesting. And uh, it's worth noting, I published the book mid-June. This was before JT Daniels was granted the immediate eligibility. I think since publication date, that's a huge win for Georgia, getting him immediately eligible um, because at the very least now you have, uh, you know, you have two, two former power five starting quarterbacks to battle this out. Uh, it, it takes away the risk that if one of them is a bust, at least you have the other guy. Um, you know, so real quick on transfer quarterbacks, it's, it's incredible what's happening across the country. Uh, I think I put out a stat, a tweet, the last five years, uh, top five rated high school quarterbacks in their classes. 70% of them are transferring. It's a 70% clip. Uh, here's two more. But normally it's two guys that were backups or were buried on the depth chart, and maybe the service is missed on that five-star billing. But here it's a rare case where you're, you're having a, a starting quarterback stepping stone a program, as we call it in the coaching ranks. But, you know, Jamie Newman, the starter at, at a Power five, uh, Power 5 program, stepping stone Wake Forest over to, to potentially start at UGA is incredible. Um, yeah, so let's, let's talk about both real quick with Jamie Newman. What pops off the film really is his deep ball. Um, he had a lot of success in the, in the vertical pass game last year. Uh, he was 70% on targets past 10 yards. That's a top 10 clip for context nationally. Uh, and 67% past 20 yards, which is a top five national rank. So now, uh, was, that, was that play design? Maybe a lot of that was Dave Clawson's scheme design, the Wake Forest, an uh, offensive genius. But, hey, he, you got to give him credit. He executed the throws. So I think that fits perfectly with what Monken wants to install here. If you've watched any Big 12 football back in the day, it was Monken over at Oklahoma State in uh, 2011 and 2012, leading that uh, Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman, those offenses that put up a half hundred a game. Uh, it's that similar offense coming here. So, again, how quickly will it, will it click? Um, if I had to handicap it, I really wish that Newman had a full spring and a full summer because I would say it would be a clear-cut favorite. Uh, but I don't think without spring ball, without anything summer in person yet, uh, they're almost at equal footing. Now, I guess Newman has a couple months uh, mental, you know, mentally game, in the mental game with playbook prep and Zoom calls and such. But in terms of physical, they're on the same uh, playing field. So it's going to be a heck of a fall camp battling this thing out. Yeah, I agree. I'm very excited to see how this ultimately ends up playing out. I think I'd be okay with either guy. I just want the best guy to end up winning that job and, and go out there and winning games on the field for us. But I do want to stick with quarterback play for just one more quick question. We all know Jake Fromm was a three-year starter the past couple of years, but maybe didn't have the physical tools of either Jamie Newman or JT Daniels. Did a lot of really good things for George, but wasn't necessarily elite from a physical standpoint. So with two guys I think might be better than him in that regard, what is the likelihood that Georgia actually upgrades at quarterback play in 2020? Yeah, well, I think it'll be mental. It'll be how quickly they can catch on to the new scheme. Uh, The physical tools are certainly there for both. Um, Now, granted, I I love what Jake Fromm did here. I think he was a perfect fit for the old offense. Uh, He he gave Georgia a puncher's chance in almost every game he started and won most of them. So – you know, that was a very stable presence at quarterback. And a lot of programs, you'll see it. They might, they might bring in four and five stars, but it's hard to lock down the position. So 
don't take for granted uh, the kind of stability and the above average play that he brought. I think more importantly than the quarterback battle, because I think one of them will emerge. It's uh it's a matter of who. I think the bigger question is really offensive line wise. Um, this was arguably, or in my opinion, the number one unit in the country last year. Um, you know, having to replace four starters gone from that unit, plus the O-line coach himself with Pittman gone. Um, now, you know, it's not just the four starters. You also lose Cade Mays, who was a key reserve and a five-star kid, I believe. Um, so, yeah, question marks up front. It's going to be young, but very, very talented. That's kind of the theme uh, with Georgia's offense recently has been the, the youth, but the extreme, extreme high-end talent. So, uh, O-line reload and, and quarterback battle are two things that definitely uh, that, that could swing the – the season from a nine win season to a playoff caliber team. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And when you're talking about quarterback play, you know, last year, obviously Jake Fromm statistically took a little bit of a slide with his numbers, but I think maybe a bigger issue was the skill talent around him. I think that might've exposed some of his physical limitations. So when you look at the skill talent Georgia has coming back and some of the new players added to the mix in 2020, how would you assess Georgia's skill talent going into this 2020 season? Yes, good point there. So I just touched on how the O-line has to go through a massive rebuild. That was the receiver core this time last year when we're talking 20, uh, heading into 2019. They needed to replace their top six from 18. Uh, so a huge, huge roster overhaul there. You started to see guys emerge. I mean, George Pickens led the team as a freshman. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and, and speaking Pickens, he's the only guy in the nation coming back uh, with 75 targets and zero drops. So the guy's a lockdown, uh, you know, all-conference caliber guy there. So from there, you build around him. Uh, Dominic Laylock, fi- uh, former five-star Demetrius Robertson. Uh, that's a solid trio right there. Uh, and that's not even scraping the surface of this recruiting talent, uh, you know, loaded with four- and five-star guys, not just at, uh, at receiver, but a running back. Um, you know, so speaking of running back, most programs would like just to have one of these four guys, Zamir White, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton. I mean, most programs would build their offense around one of them. Meanwhile, Georgia has two pairs, four guys right there, all top 100 caliber kids. Um, you know, something's going to click. So, uh, yeah, the skill positions are absolutely loaded. It goes from maybe a, uh, a youth spot last year uh, to a definite strength and just overwhelming talent now. Yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. So before we move on to talk about the defense, one more quick question about the offense. So you did a very comprehensive job going through everything there. So a new quarterback coming in. Uh, maybe a step back on the offensive line with some youth and inexperience. looks like the skill talent might be ready to get the next step forward this year. So what are your overall expectations for this Georgia offense in 2020 relative to what we saw from that unit last year? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you'll see a slight, slight improvement, not the kind of big boom you'd want. And that might, the big boom that you might need for a playoff or an LSU type run. I think that comes 2021. I think at the, go, heading into next season, you'll have now that what was once a young offensive line, now returning, what, five starters, all five up front, uh, returning a starting quarterback, uh, you know, returning all those skill guys we just mentioned. And then, of course, having a full season, a full spring, a full summer, a full fall camp 2021 to install, to fully install this Monken offense. So I think it was a genius hire. And uh, I think that'll eventually be the, the, the move that unlocks us into a playoff caliber you know, every year in and, in and out type program. So 2020, maybe a slight improvement, maybe hover around how they were last year. But 2021, it's like uh, it's like the pinata is about to burst. I mean, 2021, <laughs> major breakout season offensively, I'm forecasting. So 
Uh, yeah, we'll going to need that since they opened the season in Charlotte against Clemson in 2021. So we're going to need that offense. No doubt about it. All right. And so I want to move on about the defense here for a couple of minutes. You mentioned in your preview, you mentioned it a little bit earlier on in this interview that Georgia had arguably the best defense in the country in 2019. And 80% of that production from that unit is returning along with another influx of new talent from the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. So I know this sounds crazy. I'm curious what you think about, about this question. What are the chances that Georgia's defense is actually maybe somehow better in 2020? Yeah, uh, so that's tough. I mean, statistically, uh, in my metrics too, they finished in the top three nationally. So top three in the entire country in half of my metrics. I mean, it's hard to improve on uh, near perfection. Again, they were 99 percentile. Uh, I do this thing. It's a 10-year it's a coordinator trend on the page there for Georgia or for all teams too, but uh, grading how the, the, the defense or offense has done against their opponent's average uh, and on a per-play metric. Uh, 99, long story short, 99th percentile, uh, the best, second best defense in the country last year, Georgia. So, uh, hard to improve on near perfection. Now, I don't think it'll take a step back if that makes Georgia fans feel any better. I think it, it remains one of the top units in the country, if not the best. Again, uh, eight starters back. Three of those guys, uh, turned down early NFL bids too. You have Monty Rice there in the middle, uh, and then Richard LeCount and Eric Stokes in the secondary. So you have some, NFLers declining early bids coming back, um, you know, depth at each uh, position layer. But then not just that, but any vacancy that you guys have, you're filling it with, again, five stars and, and high four stars, the top recruiting tier in the country. So, um, yeah, there, it's going to be, uh, you know, I, I write about 1,500 words per team. I, I cap it up in one sentence here on the defense page for Georgia. This will, again, be among the nation's best defenses. There it is, black and white. It's not there you changing. go. It's as simple um, as that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So – yeah, you, all right, you'd hope so. But, uh, but yeah, so when you, when you look specifically, 15 of the 16 linebackers are back. That's an incredible uh, retention rate. Uh, Monty Rice leading the way, like I said. I mean, Aziz Aljulari also uh, thriving from the rush position there, five-and-a-half sacks last year. Uh, another guy, Nakobe Dean, former five-star super recruit. He's, he's poised for a breakout here in the second season. Um, so, yeah, just brimming with, with five-star talent everywhere. Um, one thing I want to talk about the defense is uh, stylistically they're kind of unique. Uh, meanwhile, when you see teams like Florida and LSU and Bama, they're just attacking. They're, they're blitz heavy. You know, they're aggressive. Georgia's the opposite. Actually, they play some bend, don't break. Uh, and that's not to be a, you know, a diss. It's actually a compliment because they're so incredible at maintain or at containing long yardage plays that they force teams to go three yards, four yards, five yard chunks all the way down the field. And, First off, most college offenses can't do it. But second off, Georgia makes sure that they can. I mean, so it, it, it's a perfect system the way they run it, albeit different stylistically. But, uh, yeah, nothing's changing. They're going to be a top unit again. I, I am so glad. Thank you so much for mentioning that, what we do from a, a schematic standpoint, because I've been trying to preach that and hammer that home for years now. So it's really nice to hear someone in the media actually bring that up, because you don't really hear anyone else out there talk about that. So I appreciate you putting that out there and, and educating the fan base I like you're doing. You're doing yeah, a great for job. sure. I mean, yeah, uh, in the book there, I have a couple metrics there. I mean, of course, you can look up online. You can find rushing yards per game and passing yards per game defense. But a couple of my other ones I have in here that are, you know, proprietary that I made up are uh, negative play rate, I call it, negative play percentage. It's how often is the team making plays in the backfield, sacks, tackles for loss, no gains, stops the line. Uh, that's the only category that, that looks poor for Georgia. Uh, you know, negative play rate, but that's stylistic because when you look down a couple levels, I have 
defense against explosive plays, defense against long yardage plays, rushing, passing, all those, number one, number two, number three. I mean, they're the top lead in the country. So there's a trade-off there. It might not be the most stat, you know, the most sexy stats with, uh, with sacks and tackles for loss, but uh, you're defending against the long yardage play better than anyone in the country. So I'd take that trade-off. Yeah, it's absolutely by design. It, it, you're exactly right. There's no doubt about it. And, and one of the things I found interesting about this Georgia defense last year is that despite its excellence and how well they performed as a unit, there really weren't a ton of what I guess I would call household names. You know, there were maybe a, a national superstar outside of, I guess, maybe J.R. Reed. You know, he's an All-American. But still, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say your average college, college football fan would be able to roll J.R. Reed off their tongue. But who in your mind – you mentioned a couple of guys like Monty Rice, uh, Aziz Ojolari – who in your mind could be those breakout players this year on the Georgia defense that might become more household type names? Yeah, well, definitely the three early NFLers that I touched on there was Stokes, LeCount, and Rice. I actually have all three of them first team all SEC on my all SEC defense team. Uh, I was surprised that some of the publications didn't follow suit with Monty Rice. I think he's deserving of that first team honor. Um, you know, a couple other guys here, Jordan Davis, obviously a, a D tackle there. Uh, Trayvon Walker definitely flashed some high ceiling last year. Uh, but a guy I just touched on, the Kobe Dean, I mean, he has the five-star ceiling. Uh, he, he definitely flashed it at times last year as a freshman. Look for that second year here uh, with an expanded role and uh, to really take a step forward. He could be an absolute um, you know, dynamic playmaker. So someone out of that crew is going to emerge. And, hey, if not, it's not the worst thing if it's kind of a no-name unit that, um, you know, that maybe the national fan doesn't know but they'll know that George is number one on almost every metric. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a testament to how deep this roster is loaded with five-star kids. Yeah, it worked out last year. So I'm I'm cool if it works out that way again this year, but it's just kind of a striking to me that we had this great defense, but didn't necessarily have those, you know, one single superstar that you have on like maybe an Ohio State team. Uh, All right, so outside of Georgia, I want to ask you about Florida, which is always a popular topic on our podcast because it's one of our top rivals, obviously. And we know Georgia's won three straight SEC East titles, but you are picking Florida to not only win the SEC East, but also win the entire SEC and make an appearance in the college football playoff. So what is it about Florida that leads you to see them as a playoff caliber team this year? Yeah, and to the Georgia fans, before you uh, <laughs> before you turn off the podcast and, and throw your phone through the window, uh, you know, hear me out here. Uh, you know, ton of respect. If anyone that can back it up, it's you, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so with Florida, what really stuck out now, I know everyone's sick of hearing this, but it, it is a unique offseason, right? So uh, I, already, I already touched on some of the metrics I put into it, uh, you know, the film study, the spring games. Without some of these tactics, without spring games, right, I'm having to rely on programs that have a lot of program continuity, uh, coaches continuity, you know, the same scheme year over year, uh, bringing the quarterback back, bringing a lot of returning starters back. And Florida perfectly fits that mold here in year three under Dan Mullen year three under Todd Grantham on defense, a pairing that's been great everywhere. Um, you know, with Florida, I'm sure you guys have touched on it over the years. This is always a top five, top 10 defense. I mean, they're right there at the top of the nation every year, not only on signing day, uh, on the field in the fall, and then in the NFL draft too, they're, they're producing NFLers. So uh, the defense is always there. And I, I expect it to be a solid top 15, top 10 unit as usual. The difference of putting Florida from their usual spot around the top 20, top 15 mark, in the playoff talks this year for me was offensively because finally what was really a train wreck at quarterback the last five years uh, is finally looking stable and looking like a positive. Now with Kyle Trask, a kid that was thrown in mid September due to injury rallied the team against Kentucky 
and then, uh, you know, turned in a 67% completion rate, 25 touchdowns and seven picks throughout the season. And uh, it's worth noting, too, he was punch for punch with Joe Burrow in that LSU game, Florida LSU. Uh, it was a seven-point game all the way down to the very end. Um, and then also, when, when I was watching back the, uh, the Florida-Georgia tape, now this is not to take away from Georgia because it was incredible play on third down, but such an incredible third down rate, I don't see that. I mean, that's almost a statistical outlier. I would say that the game was, was razor thin. Credit Georgia for the seven-point win. Uh, but that game really, to me, was more of a toss-up. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking a little bit too much about offense. One more thing with offense, though, with Mullen. Uh, he's a quarterback whisperer. He's done this, not just here, but he's done this back at Utah with Alex Smith in the 2000s. He did it with Dak Prescott down in Mississippi State. Uh, even here in Gainesville 10 years ago, he was, um, you know, rotating around Chris, Le- Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Uh, like a mastermind. So, again, he's got Emory Jones there, almost, a, you know, the one-two punch just like that, 08 team, uh, now with Trask and, uh, and Emory Jones. Uh, and, yes, they lose four great receivers on the outside, but, ironically, they're able to fill that pretty uh, pretty strongly there. Jacob Copeland coming back, ready for a breakout as a sophomore. Trevin Grimes is probably the, their best overall NFL guy. Kadarius Tony's that little do-it-all guy, uh, you know, get the ball in a variety of ways on sweeps and screens. But really, another uh, another threat here is Kyle Pitts. I have him as a first-team All-American at tight end. Guy's incredible. Uh, creates mismatch over, mismatches over the middle with six-six frame. So that's my that's my long story pitch on Florida. I really think in a, in a weird offseason, the continuity, uh, and then finally the wake up of the offense to really match what what has been an elite defense for a long time. I think the pieces are together here. They also avoid Alabama. Now that definitely factored into my decision making here. Um, you know, I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose to Bama, but from a predictive sense, that's almost a 50-50 game that Florida doesn't have to deal with. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I know in your magazine, so you ultimately you pick Florida, but in, in your preview book, you mentioned that Florida, Alabama, and Georgia were kind of the trio of contenders in the SEC this year. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the three. It's pretty clear cut for me. Um, and again, how Florida, close Georgia- was it between those three teams for you? Oh, very, very thin. Uh, it's a very thin margin. Um, now, uh, specifically Florida, Georgia, I mean, that's probably a, a, a 55-45 split for me, 50-50 game almost. I mean, if that game flips, then you could just place Georgia right in that slot to, to, to win the SEC. It's very tight. Um, a couple things, a couple negatives, if I had to, to parse between Alabama and Georgia. Uh, first with Bama, you know, their defense coming into this year under Saban had never allowed 45 points to an SEC team. Happened twice in November alone there with, uh, with Burrow and Auburn. Now, so the defense, a little bit of a slide, now loses their ent- entire secondary to the pros, and both of their uh, rush edge guys, Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings, both gone. So a little bit of a slide defensively, coupled with the loss of Tua, a generational quarterback, and two of those uh, NFL first-round pick receivers. So some negatives there. Uh, negatives with Georgia, we did touch on, uh, more so question marks. Uh, the offensive line, that's uh, going to be a tough transition with no offseason. But then also um, at quarterback, now it's worth noting, I said at the beginning, uh, at published date, I didn't think we'd have Daniels immediately. So definitely a boost since publish uh, there at quarterback, but nonetheless uh, a question because, um, you know, replacing from and then also going through a new offensive scheme uh, in, in about a two-week fall camp. So, again, very, very elite teams at the top there. It's razor thin. I went with Florida uh, for those reasons listed there. Awesome, awesome. All right, so I'm going to get you out of here on this one, Brett. Most of the conversation in the East, obviously, it's centered on Georgia and Florida. We know that. You did a great job of breaking that down. 
But who do you see as maybe that next team that could possibly be a sleeper that could maybe rise up and challenge for the division title? Oh, that's tough. I mean, I don't actually see it. No, yeah, it's tough. I don't really see anyone breaking through the Florida-Georgia, uh, Florida-Georgia line, if you will, right? Um, I don't see anyone breaking through that, that upper tier. Uh, now, two teams also from the East make my top 25. That's Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, both the programs finished in my top five offensive lines in the nation. Uh, they're built from the inside out. They're strong up front. Kentucky especially strong on defense, too. Um, but again, I, I think that they'll be able to give a team a tough game week in and week out, but I don't know about consistently over the course of the season to, to win a division. Um, you know, Tennessee, again, before the, before the fans, uh, turn me off talking, um, Tennessee. Now this isn't the same kind of fake hype that you saw under Butch Jones, all that brick by brick hype, uh, that, that never amounted to anything, but I think the hype is a little bit different here because Pruitt has built this from the inside out. It's a very strong offensive line. And then a really strong defense. You saw what he did at Alabama as their coordinator, but also how Alabama's defense has taken a slide since Pruitt has left Alabama. You can learn a lot about a coordinator in his absence. So uh, I really like the way that Tennessee's progressing. Quarterback's obviously a massive issue for them. That's got to be shored up uh, and maybe the power run game a bit. But uh, I like the way they're trending. Uh, And last bit on Tennessee, according to my game grader formula from the midpoint last year, so first six games to the last six games, they were the number one most improved team. So you finally started to see Tennessee turn a corner. Uh, we'll see if that translates that momentum into 2020. I think it will. Not enough to compete with the not enough to compete with the elites here, though. All right, that is awesome stuff. That's Brett Ciancia from Pick Six Previews. Follow him on Twitter. Go buy his preview preview book now, guys. I'm telling you, don't waste any time. Go buy it right now. It's hands down the best on the market. It for at least me personally, it's changed my college ball life. It's actually made doing and preparing for this show a lot easier for me. And, I mean, it is. It's, a, it's truly a one-stop shop to get you ready for the 2020 college football season. And, Brett, I cannot thank you enough for putting this thing together and for joining us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Yeah, Tyler, thanks. Anytime. Uh, let's keep in touch on Twitter. And, I, again, to the UGA followers, reach out, follow me, uh, you know, message me any questions you have, any stats you'd like to see researched. Uh, I'm excited to connect with more Georgia fans. So, uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime. Hopefully we got some games to talk about in the fall. And uh, thanks again for having me. Yes, sir. We'll get you back on here, man. Take care. All right, guys. That does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. You guys know I've been telling you, I've been telling you guys for a couple of weeks now since I first came across it about Pick 6 Previews and just how incredible their preview book is and how highly I think of it. We actually included them for the first time, if you guys noticed, on our preseason magazines buy or sell episode last week. We do that episode each and every offseason, and this is the first time that we've included Pick 6 Preview. So I really, really think highly of them, and I've wanted to get Brett on the show for a while, and I'm glad that we were able to make that happen. You guys know, I'm, I'm a college football guy. I live it. I breathe it. 365 days a year, just like most of you guys do. And I've consumed just about every type of preseason preview publication that is out there. And they all do a solid job. Like They do. I'm not here to bash anyone. But I can tell you personally, as far as I'm concerned, that I've never come across anything as comprehensive and insightful as Brett's work. There's, there's usually, I mean, let's be real here, there's usually a certain degree of laziness on the part of college football writers. And 
And, and maybe that's not fair. Maybe the word lazy is not fair. It, it really is. It's tough to cover all, what, 130 plus D1 teams in, in any sort of depth. You, can, you can't, you just can't. You can't watch all the games and dig into the particulars of every single team. But Brett does. He lives this stuff just like you and I do, and I think you can absolutely tell. He doesn't rely on the same tired, cliched narratives that, to be frank, make me just want to pour acid in my ears. I can't take that kind of stuff. And that doesn't mean I always agree with all of his conclusions. You guys know he's high on Florida. He's got them in the college football playoff. But I have been very open about the fact that I don't really buy into the Florida hype this year. I think they're going to be a very good team, but I don't buy into the hype that they're going to win the SEC this year. But man, regardless of that, the information, the depth, the insight within the Pick 6 preview book is simply unmatched anywhere. So do yourself a favor. Go to pick6previews.com. I'm going to spell that out. Pick6previews.com. And order yourself a copy. Do yourself a favor. It's it's digital, which really makes it easy, at least for me. I know some people prefer the paper copy of stuff, but the digital nature of it just makes it really easy for me to keep up with. I can pull up on my computer at home, on my phone when I'm out and about. It's seamless. It's easy. It's just flat out awesome. It really is. But... I'm out of here. I promise we will finally get to that Auburn scouting the enemy episode next week. I keep having to push that back for interviews and breaking news, but we will get to that next week. I'm determined to get to that. So we'll do that. Thanks for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Brett. Take care. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>